get my, uh, the good book and my flight plan up here and hope that it doesn't sink as I remember one of these things doing for Pastor Chris when she was <laughs> with us. Um, if you were here in April for our Easter celebration and pageant, you'll understand why I have a feeling that it would be really helpful if Mark Carr and Bill Hooker were here with me. And, and even better if Colette were up here at the very front to make sure things went smoothly and, uh, you know, to coach if you miss your lines. We had a great experience, an experience of the biblical story, and it's that experience and, and the story that, that shapes our lives and, and how we live. And as uh, Ken Curtis was helping us to understand we're into a period of time here when we're reflecting on the images we have, the pictures we have, and in what ways all of this comes together in loving God and loving people, which is at the heart of our pilgrim journey. And this one is definitely sinking. You know what? I was over there first service, and that pulpit and I don't agree. Now, it's a great pulpit, and our, our pastors here use it well, but um, that's, uh, I've, I've thought it through, and we're going to do it this way. <laughs> <clears throat> loving God and loving people. Jesus, telling stories, giving us pictures, helping to shape us, giving us the right perspective, the right picture and seeing things sometimes in a whole new light. I've lived this week with a new light that Ken Curtis shared with me and with all of you last Sabbath, God as gardener. Now, I knew that Jesus in John 15 said he was the gardener, my father's the, the gardener, but it never had any great meaning for me, not any meaning at all, Ken. But um, the idea of God being interested in me and in my growth and caring, kneeling down in the dirt beside me, eager, anxious, willing, doing everything in his loving power to help me be what he wants me to be as part attached, abiding in the vine. Wonderful. It's true, isn't it? When we hear the words, um, once upon a time, we have, feel a story is coming, and, and stories draw us in in a wonderful way. Um, you meet a friend you haven't seen for a while, and uh, you say to your friend, well, how are you? And the friend says, fine. That's not enough. You need to hear the story. Stories are the ways in which, which we experience life. Stories are the language of the heart, and they, they shed light on our lives. And as you well know, Jesus told stories. Stories in many cases that are, are bridges from the unknown to the known, that take us into a world, give us a perspective on kingdom living, not just at the end, but kingdom living now because that's what we are called to, to live in the kingdom of God, to be part of it, 
at this very moment. Um, we're looking at a story that Jesus told today. The uh, storyteller, the story reader in our house was Marjorie, has been, ever will be. So I've asked her to read us a story, and I want you to just listen to the story. Don't try to look it up. Just hear it, because that's the way the story happened as it's recorded in Matthew. But for many years, people just passed the story on. And for that matter, for many centuries, even though there was writing, there was no printing, and people usually heard the word audibly <laughs> rather than reading it themselves. Well, anyway, do the tough work of giving your attention, letting the mind's eye, like that, Ken, the mind's eye experience this story. Are you ready? All right, Marjorie, we're ready. The kingdom of heaven is like this. There was once a landowner who went out early one morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing to pay them the usual day's wage, he sent them off to work. Going out three hours later, he saw some more men standing idle in the marketplace. Go and join the others in the vineyard, he said, and I will pay you a fair wage. So off they went. At midday, he went out again and at three in the afternoon and made the same arrangement as before. An hour before sunset, he went out and found another group standing there. So he said to them, why are you standing about all day long with nothing to do? Because no one has hired us, they replied. So he told them, go and join the others in the vineyard. When evening fell, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with those who came last and ending with the first. Those who had started work an hour before sunset came forward and were paid the full day's wage. When it was the turn of the men who had come first, they expected something extra, okay. but were paid the same amount as the others. As they took it, they grumbled at their employer. These latecomers have done only one hour's work, yet you have put them on a level with us who have sweated the whole day long in the blazing sun. The owner turned to one of them and said, my friend, I am not being unfair to you. You agreed on the usual wage for the day, did you not? Take your pay and go home. If I choose to pay the last man the same as you, surely I am free to do what I like with my own money. Why be jealous because I am kind. The end. <laughs> Why be jealous because I'm kind? Is he? Is he kind? What, what kind of person is this? This vineyard owner. Back and forth between the marketplace and the vineyard, 
from dawn till dusk, hiring people the very last waning hour before sundown? What kind of person is he? Uh, living up in Angwin and getting acquainted with the Napa Valley for a number of years, it's not hard uh, to imagine a vineyard owner who comes up against the realization that the way things are happening, the way the crops, uh, the, the weather, etc., have been, we need to get this harvest in, and we need to do it expeditiously. The weather reports mean that uh, this could be a, a, a freak a rainstorm that would just damage everything, so he gets to work, goes to work, and gets everybody that he can find back and forth again and again until uh, an hour before sundown he goes and finds standing around and says to them, why? Why are you standing here? And they respond by saying, nobody hired us. Well, guess what? They were the ones nobody wanted to hire. They were the losers, the cast-offs. But this owner says, come on, I'll pay you what's fair. And uh, the harvest is in. We did it. Wow. And he turns to the chief executive officer, financial officer, and he says, pay them all a day's wage. Isn't that wonderful? Or is it? Is this a good idea, what he's done? <laughs> or, or is it going to make people happy or, or make trouble for him? What do you think? You got into the story, you experienced it a bit. Is this fair? Uh, is, is this just a nutty idea, spur of the moment kind of thing? Is he kind or is he really cruel, nasty, don't like him? Well, what we think really all depends, doesn't it, on who we are in the story. If you're an early bird, how do you feel? Mm. Worked all day long under the blazing sun and it's been a scorcher. You're uh, unhappy. You're, you're, you're furious. You're outraged. We need to protest. But why? Early birds have in their hands a full day's pay. That's what they worked all day long expecting to get. There it is. So, how can you complain? But you do. It still feels like there's something terribly wrong, isn't it, with what he's done? He's turned the world upside down, actually. That's what he's done. This isn't the way you do things. This is, as someone called it, the great reversal. You're denied. You've been cheated. You haven't been appreciated. But then... As you mull on this and mumble about it and grumble about it, he turns to you and says, friend, what's, what's the matter? Do you, what, let's talk about how we, uh, we plan for today. Isn't this exactly what you expected and what we agreed on? Haven't I been fair to you and paid you just as I promised I would? Isn't that all right? Weren't you happy? up until a few minutes ago. Now, if you're a latecomer, one of those losers who got in 
Wow, got a job. Jobs are hard to get. And so uh, as you stand there in this experience, what are your feelings? You began work only an hour before sundown. So when you came up and put out your hand and said, okay, you know, one hour, I mean, uh, he said he'd be fair and I'm trusting that he'll give me an hour's worth of wage. And you look down at it and you say, I'm sorry, there's been a mistake. You see, I, I, I've only worked one hour. That's all. <laughs> this is no, I didn't earn this at all. And, and when, the, when the financial officer says to you, no, 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 that's, that's it. There's no mistake. What? What do you mean? You stop and try to figure out why. The only reason you can possibly come up with is this fellow's nuts, but wonderfully so. <laughs> wonderfully so. May the disease spread. <laughs> you know, the only conclusion in the end as you reflect on it is that this, this landowner, this vineyard grower, this person is kind and generous and has given me something I didn't deserve. And so you can imagine these folk, the latecomers, the ones who came at 9 and at 12 and at 3 and at 5, all of them are surprised by grace and how they feel about the, the landowner, how they regard him is quite different from the early birds. Now, as bystanders in this story, You've got to have a tug of sympathy for those people who've worked 12 times longer than the ones who came for that last hour. There's something remiss. There's something wrong here. The owner apparently has overlooked our perseverance and everything that we have done. As they stand in the line, you see, at the end of the line, they, the irony in the story is that, that the landowner says, pay them in the reverse order. That's the kicker. Because if they'd been paid the other way around, they would have come up and gotten just what they were expected and gone on their home rejoicing, on their way home rejoicing. But as they stand in the line, you can see there's some excitement. Something's happening up there where the man's handing out the money. You, uh, the, the rumor soon spreads down the line that these people who've worked this shorter period of time have all gotten a day's pay, and you can do the math. If a person who worked one hour got a full day's pay, then we've worked 12 hours. That would mean 12 full days' pay, or at least something certainly significant beyond those who've only worked a relatively short period of time. Well, see, the real, the real rub in the story is not, not that these early birds have been treating, treated badly, but that someone else has been treated just as well without deserving it, right? Without deserving it. You've put them on a par with us. You've made them equal to us. 
And that's the challenge, the challenge of grace. Grace is something to think very carefully about. In a world created, is a world created by the word of grace, really the world we want. Now and in the end, is there a possibility we'll be unhappy with grace, be furious? It all depends, doesn't it? Those who've worked all day long, borne the burden of the scorching heat in the day, are comfortable in a world, they live in a world they're used to and they expect this world to operate, that you earn what you get and you get what you earn. A day's wages for a day's work. That's the way the system goes. You know what to expect. You are in control. You get there early. You get more at the end of the day, etc., and so forth. I uh, spent a couple of summers picking peaches up by Modesto in Academy days. Picking peaches is not the most, um, what shall I say, uh, well, I won't get, go into details there. If you've done any peach picking and gotten peach fuzz around your neck, you know, I, I put a can of baby powder down underneath my shirt, tightened everything down, tried to avoid that peach fuzz. But the way, the reason I went for the job was what I'd get paid for picking peaches, right? And you know, the game was very simple. Didn't have to have a long manual of instructions. It just said, here's a piece of chalk. The man gave me a piece of chalk, said, Lou, you're number 18. And I knew that at the end of the day, at pay time, I would be credited, I would be paid for the number of boxes of peaches that I picked. And I envied those who had better equipment and uh, people helping them who could pick a lot more boxes. But I went under that peach orchard and up those, that ladder and down and did the best I could to fill as many boxes as possible. That's, that's a world that we know and know quite well. But the boss, the boss can say in all fairness here to these who are grumbling, that's the world you want, then take what belongs to you, you earned it, take what belongs to you and go home. Leave. Now, there's a note of judgment in this as well as a marvelous, a marvelous picture of grace. Because, you see, they're, they're dismissed. They're, act, they're asked to go. They're spoiling the party. For those who received a full day's wage for partial day's work have been caught up in the joy of everyone and saying, look, what, what, a, what a wonderful, gracious, loving, marvelous thing for this man to do. And these who are complaining are spoiling the party. So go home, take what belongs to you, and just let me do what I want to do with what belongs to me. That's fair enough, isn't it? And so they uh, head on their way. Those celebrating have been blessed by grace. It's interesting 
someone was asking me, why did he pay them in that, that order? Well, I'm not altogether sure. It is at the heart of the story. It's sort of the <clears throat> that grabs you. But um, those who, who had been there all day long had the possibility, there, there was the opportunity for them to say, look at this, what a place, what an atmosphere, what a marvelous celebration of joy and of goodness. We could join in. We can be thankful we had the job all day long, but we can join in with these who've experienced an outpouring of something beyond anything they could ever expect or could ever earn. But they can't do it. They can't do it because in Jesus' line there, they expected something extra. The world has been changed, the world they knew, and they don't like it. The world created the kingdom of God, and that's what the story is all about. The kingdom of God is a creation of, of grace, a world of grace that radically changes and is a radically different kind of world. Grace is not something one person can have a lot of and another person can have only a little. In a world created by grace, by kindness, by generosity, where everyone receives the same pay, there could be problems. How are you going to be able to make distinctions between people? How can, how can you distinguish between the uh, industrious and the lazy, the good and the bad, the righteous and the sinners? How, in this kind of world, how can you recognize who's first? How can you do it? What happens if you turn the world upside down like this? Isn't there something in undiscriminating, something dangerous and risky about one who passes out rewards on the basis of his kindness rather than on the basis of someone's performance, how well they've done, how long they've served, what they've achieved? These. Uh, Where's the next page of my notes? <laughs> oh, there you are. Thank you. I didn't want to miss you. I love preachers who preach without notes, but this old preacher been too long at it this way. Okay. <clears throat> you know, the, the, the problem with this world of grace for the, for the um, early birds is that... Uh, it's the problem that Jesus is actually facing as he tells the story. Because it seems a travesty of justice that tax collectors and other bad characters are welcomed, are welcomed into the kingdom without any prolonged period of rehabilitation. Given the full assurance of God's love and God's acceptance, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And they've done nothing to deserve it. And that makes some angry. 
and the shadows are gathering because of it. The context for this story, and I invite you to explore it this afternoon, this evening, Matthew 20, the first 16 verses, follows Matthew 19. You can get that one, all right? But Matthew 19, a rich young ruler has come to Jesus wanting, wanting to know what he needs to do, and Jesus tells him, sees right to the heart of him, long, loves him and longs to have him with him, and the, he says, riches are what got a hold of you, a vice grip on you. You need to get rid of everything and then come and follow me, and you'll have riches in heaven. And he goes away sad because he has great wealth. And the disciples are staggered. Jesus said, it's hard for a rich person to get into the kingdom. You've got to be kidding. Rich people, we know they are blessed by God. No, says Jesus. Harder than driving a challenging racing camel through the eye of a needle. And they're shocked. Who then can be saved? And then <clears throat> Peter, uh, Peter, pipes up with a question was Jesus says you've, you've given up things you there are rewards Peter says we've given up a great deal we've followed you what are we going to get out of it and Jesus I would be inclined to expect that Jesus would say well you loaves and fishes disciple shame on you but Jesus describes the future and the Galilean fishermen sitting on thrones and passing judgment etc and so forth and you can see those fishermen's eyes light up and the others as well. Whoa, we rule. Then Jesus said, and it's an enigmatic little riddle, many who are first will be last and the last will be first. And that leads to the kingdom of heaven is like and the story Jesus tells. So <clears throat> Jesus wants Peter and us to understand the radical nature of the kingdom, not just in the future, but right now. Can we understand it? Have we experienced it? Do we hear his invitation, come to me? There are those then and for us now for whom the only hope we could ever know, no chance by our efforts, we've blown it too radically, no chance to ever merit a reward. The world of law dooms us to despair. But in their hands, they found a full day's pay. They felt his arms around them, saying, welcome, and the kindness of the vineyard owner exemplified in Jesus himself wins their hearts wasn't our children's story marvelous sorry I just had to put in that parenthesis that was just I, I, I thought here goes the little red hen and I know what she's going to do and she didn't she caught the message even before I preached it Grace, and Grace won her other friends to want to live that way. So life for those latecomers, for us, 
means living life in dependence on and expecting the reward and uh, celebrating the reward and generosity of another. I love those words at the end of her comments about this story in Christ's Object Lessons. That which even the greatest and wisest cannot earn, the weakest and most humble may receive. Heaven's golden gate opens not to the self-exalted. It is not lifted up to the proud in spirit. Now, don't miss this. But the everlasting portals will open wide to the trembling touch of a little child. That's good news, isn't it? But there are those for whom grace is bad news. Bad people given what they don't deserve? What kind of world is that? That's unfair. That's the worst thing that could happen. There's only one thing to do. I, we've got to get together, get our act together. There's only one thing to do to a person who comes along turning the world upside down, eating with publicans and sinners, speaking the word of grace to any and all who will hear and receive it. There's one thing to do, and we're going to have to do it. Crucify him. Crucify him. Why be jealous? Because I am kind. What do you think? Is he? Really? What kind of person is this? Back and forth from the marketplace to the vineyard, dawn to dusk, looking, welcoming, calling everyone to serve, whatever time, and in the end, paying a full day's wage. It's just not fair. Thank God it isn't. And aren't you glad? How long, how much, how faithful, what kind of performance would we have to produce to merit the eternal life, the gift of God, his gracious acceptance that is ours now and eternity through him forever. Would we ever succeed? No, we wouldn't so we can celebrate it now. <laughs> All of this ours through him, freed to love him because he first loved us and enabled to love people who have yet to know the good news, the news we will celebrate now and for all eternity, the news of amazing grace. So go and live in the joy and the freedom of the kingdom celebrating, ever celebrating and mindful of his amazing grace and sharing it with all we meet. Amen.